0: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Bow Rush Podcast. I am your host, Travis Stowe. You're listening to episode 20 020. This week, we're going to be talking about a really cool, kind of radical design bow manufacturer. Their company name is called APA Archery. And if you haven't heard of them before, Don't worry, I didn't either. It happened to be one of our listeners that got in touch with us and said they wanted to know a little bit more about the company. And it just happens to work out great because, as you know, archery season is just around the corner. We have less than six weeks in certain areas and for the next podcast that we'll be releasing are gonna be focusing on the different types of bow manufacturers. We decided to do this one first because the radical design and in fact, it just happened to be that I was able to get him on first, there you go. So if you haven't purchased a bow yet or you already have one and maybe you're looking to maybe become uh, the black sheep, something different that no one else has, then I'm really glad that you're listening to this episode because we're bringing on a guy named Daniel and he's going to be giving us some really cool insight about what APA Archery has to offer I have to say, I've had an opportunity to shoot these bows. They are high speed, very quiet, very low vibration, and it's just something you have to try. And if you do, this very well could be your next bow. So let's get the show going. Daniel, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Could you actually state your full name just to make sure I have it correctly?
1: Daniel Gissendander.
0: Great, man. This is. A, I'm glad you're able to get on the line with us and give our listeners some interesting information about APA Archery. Ironically I had no idea what this company was about. It was referred to us from one of our listeners. They wanted to know more about the company and I decided to shoot out an email and they uh, pointed me to you says so that you might be a person to speak with but uh, I really appreciate you coming on the line. Yes sir, my pleasure. How long have you been archery hunting?
1: I started archery hunting back in 1996. I had exclusively been hunting since i was 11 with my father uh, pretty much with a gun i never had any history with uh, archery at all and i had a uh, met up with a guy from north carolina and he actually um gave me my first bow and from there it's all history i started off with a very high poundage bow and just that, that's the way things were back there aluminum arrows fixed head broadheads everything was pretty much limited in what was available in archery uh, now it's such expanded with technology but I started out in 96 and and as as technology progressed so did I and come up to 2012 when I started Pro Staffing for a major bow company and then you know from from I started with APA this year didn't know much about them but I knew quite a bit about the archery industry because I had been shooting since 1996 so it became a passion of mine i actually put down the gun five years ago and i no longer rifle hunt all i do is bow hunt it's become just more of a challenge personally to me i don't have nothing against guns or rifles or anything of that nature if somebody wants to do that but it's just become a personal challenge to me to get them within bow range so uh something that i've chosen to do since about five years ago but i actually started in 96
0: yeah ironically our our Past seemed to meet up when it comes to the the storyline because I was in the same boat when I was younger. I was strictly rifle hunting, and yep. I actually thought people that were using a bow were crazy. Why would you ever want to make it harder for yourself? Right. But um, and I, it just took a while, and then one mm-hmm. day I finally bought a bow, and ever since then, I put the rifle down, and I've yet to touch it since.
1: Yeah, it's just become, you know, like I said, more of a challenge. I take my hat off to guys that can make shots you know, out in the West, Midwestern states or whatever, take a six, 700 yard shot. That's, that's all well and good. I, I don't think I could probably accomplish that, but I'm, you know, to me personally, this is just a personal challenge i put to myself. I like to actually get within, you know, range of the animal that, that I call hunting. I just don't, like I said, it's personally nothing against anybody. Everybody's got their own personal challenges. I don't think that shooting an animal at six, 700 yards is particularly hunting you know, a lot of factors involved when you get a deer within, say, 30 to 40 yards. Everything matters as opposed to him being six football fields away. So, you know, that's just something that I've chosen to do myself, and I've been successful at it. I've got six popping young animals on the wall. I, I killed a, a 11-foot alligator with my bow, and I've killed a, um, a bear in Canada with my bow. Got other uh, animals as well. Killed turkey with my bow and squirrels, bobcats, and so I've uh, it's just become a personal challenge to me, more accomplished in the hunt rather than using a gun.
0: That's great. Getting into the show or this topic, uh, the idea of letting people know about APA archery, how did you find out or how were you first introduced to APA archery?
1: I was probably introduced through magazine because uh, I, I get probably four different archery-related uh, magazines uh, in the mail. And uh, I knew about APA only because I was uh, interested in fast bows. Uh, that's been my, my interest. I like bows that shoot high speeds. And APA is known for that. So that's what triggered my interest. This has been four or five years ago when I was introduced w- to them. But I didn't really go into the depth of APA because I got on staff with a, another American company. APA is based out of um, Saskatchewan, Canada. So, um, I didn't know a whole, of, all I knew about them was they was from Canada and they was more speed related. So in the back of my mind, even though I was with another company, I knew that, you know, maybe somewhere down the line that I would get hooked up with them because that's, that's my passion is, I, you know, I like a fast bow in my mind. I shoot one pin and I could shoot my personal bow from APA with one pin out to 35, 37 yards and so that's what triggered my interest when the other company downsized that i was with when they downsized their pro staff immediately i began to look at apa but apa i found out about them just a little bit along i really didn't know the depth of their uh, innovations or their technology and they had so much to offer within just their one company being as small as it was they they covered every spectrum of anybody's interest whether it be uh, sm- slower and smooth or faster and maybe just possibly a little bit more louder that usually comes with a speed bow, which theirs don't have. But the innovations that was in it is what you know kind of triggered my interest as I began to go into what was behind APA. I didn't even know what APA stood for. So those, are the, those people that want to know what APA stands for, it actually stands for Owl's Precision Archery because I went to the shop, to the plant myself, when I went um, bear hunting two months ago, I went to the plant and I met the owner myself because I was curious. I was like, "What does APA mean?" It's owls precision archery. <laughs> is what I like APA. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a lot easier to say. So, but that's how I was introduced. Was basically through magazines. I had never even met anybody that had ever shot one, ever even owned one. It was it was foreign to most people in the South um, because they're from you know up north in, in Saskatchewan. There's a lot more dealers and shops up in the northern states that are dealers we just don't have any there's none in Georgia Um, there's one in Florida there's one in Mississippi and so there's none in the southeast so you know I had to kind of dig and research myself and when I when I started doing that it was a, a world of a shock to me because I had no idea that this existed that was so unknown to most of the archery world and so I was like you know, people really need to know what this company is about, what they have to offer. It is absolutely amazing. And, you, you know, you, you got a chance to see for yourself this tremendous um, what is into these bows. And that's that's like I said, that's how I got introduced was just through magazines and uh, the speed that they was producing um, with a lot smaller cam system and the innovations with the tool center that was in there. It just triggered my interest that I, I was going to try to get on and it worked out perfectly.
0: You know, looking at their designs, the website kind of doesn't give it its justice because, like you said, we did meet and I was able to physically shoot the bow, which, by the way, was incredible. But they have such a radical design. Everything they've done, it seems like they have a purpose, a real design that's made to do all different elements from... You know why you're going to hang something in a tree stand to you know handling your broadheads, and I have a really interesting story about that. But yeah. the way they come up with it, it just seems like they put a lot of effort into getting everything correct and make it. But with the idea of being radical, it's nothing people have seen.
1: Everything about the bow, from the cam system to the handle to the fang holder to the tool center to the twin flex limb, everything is is radical. It is different, and the owner is that way. He wants. Uh, he wants to be everything to be functional there's nothing on the bow that doesn't have a purpose for being there and and the functionality of everything in the bow is something that is just like when you see it and you recognize it's there's like why wasn't this done before okay why didn't somebody put a broadhead wrench in a bow it just makes sense why didn't somebody put a handle in a bow i'm tired of carrying it by the string why didn't somebody put a Hanger uh, something you can hang you know on a limb or something. It just everything is radically functional in the uh, entire system from the cams because every bow uh, on their two cam system every bow has the same cam. The only thing they change is the module for your for your uh, drawing most archery companies they you know most of their different bows have different cams and uh, different cable systems or whatever but with APA, every bow has the exact same cam system which simplifies everything to where somebody needs a 26, 27, 28, 31 inch drawing. All you do is change the modules. Four screws and you're done. I mean, it, is just, it just makes sense. Everything about the bows makes sense and they shoot flawlessly. I'm here to tell you, I did an eBay business of buying and selling uh, for like almost 10 years. And I have shot, I ain't even going to put a number on how many bows that I've owned and shot. And I've never, in all the bows that I've owned and shot, I've never seen uh, or experienced what I experienced when I shoot an APA bow. And that's not just because I'm on staff, because I don't get anything from doing this. This is just my own you know, personal reference of what I've experienced with the bows. They are absolutely flawless. They are well thought out, well invented, well innovative in every way. And that's why I shoot them, and that's why I'm staffing for them.
0: You're talking about their high-speed bows, and their top-of-the-line one is called the King Cobra. Is that correct? That's correct. What's the actual IBO speed that it's uh, stating that it can shoot?
1: I talked to the owner personally, and I asked him, I said, what is the highest that you have chronographed the King Cobra? And he said 369.7. So they advertise it at up to 370 feet per second. Which is insane.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy insane. Now, obviously, depending on what kind of modifications you've added to the bow, to the string and the arrows and the weight, all those things do come to affect the actual ending speed. But still, having that high speed is still going to give you a really, uh, basically, at the very end, you're still going to have a very fast bow, probably more than what the other manufacturers out there give
1: you. Oh, absolutely. Um, Like I said, the, the, the company that I was with for three years, are considered to be uh, one of the faster bows on the market. They have one that's rated for 360, but uh, I couldn't I couldn't get the speed out of that bow, even rated at 360, with my hunting setup of my hunting arrow and you know putting my peep and my uh, kisser button and loop on the string. I could not get the highest rating that I wanted or that was achievable. That I would say, uh, because when they put an IBO rating of say 360 on a bow then that is at a 30-inch draw length and at a 70-pound draw pull and with a uh, 350-grain arrow, and that's with nothing on the string. So when you put weight on the string, it slows it down, and then you get a heavier arrow because most people want a heavier arrow for hunting. And I shoot an arrow that's right at 390 grains. So with everything on my string, I shoot a loop, I shoot a kisser button, and I shoot a peep. And with all that, consider, and I'm a 29-inch draw, I'm not a 30. So you lose per inch of draw length that you reduce, you lose ten feet per second. So at my draw length and my hunting setup, I am shooting three hundred forty-five feet per second, which is the fastest bow I've ever owned.
0: That's incredible. I think right now with my bow, I'm probably two eighty-eight, maybe two eighty-nine. Yeah. That I think it's about average for what I have right now. I, um, yeah, but. Now, thinking of high-speed bows, one of the – a lot of the people have concerns about, and you're talking about having more weight on your arrows, but the biggest thought would be shock and mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. And how does that compare when you're talking about the APA, especially the King Cobra?
1: I was blown out of the water because, first of all, it's a five-inch brace height bow, which I've never owned. I was always scared of them because of misinformation in the archery world. In my mind, what I got from information was, okay, you got to have flawless – to shoot a five-inch brace height bow, which is, it's not correct when you actually shoot it because I'm shooting this bow as well as any bow that I've ever shot. And I've owned bows that had over eight-inch brace height. And this bow, the, the King Cobra that I have has just your normal standard string silencers, limb savers, just normal. I don't have it, you know, overabundance. I haven't put an overabundance of shock absorbers or things just what come on the bow is what I have on there. And I was blown out of the water when I shot it. I was expecting because I shot a lot of speed bows because I'm into speed. And I come to expect when you shoot a speed bow, you're going to have noise and you're going to have a hand shot. It just comes with the package. It, what was in my mind? Expect it. It's going to be there. It's a give and take. If you want to shoot a smooth bow, you have to relinquish your speed. That's just what was in my mind. When I shot this King Cobra, I was absolute. I was like, where's the sound? It's not there. Where's the hand shot? It's not there. I was expecting hand shock and noise. Honestly, it is as quiet as a bow that is shooting. is supposed to be your more so- silent and smoother bows. Well, it's I can even concur.
0: There. I mean, my, I'm currently shooting a Matthews Adrenaline. And for all best scenario, I mean, My bow, I've always felt that it had a little bit of vibration, a little bit of shock, but it almost seemed quiet to myself. But when I shot the King Cobra, I was expecting, as what you are saying, that there's going to be some shock Mm -hmm. and some sound. Ironically, though, I didn't hear the sound that I was expecting. It sounded a lot quieter than what my bow is currently doing. And my bow has more vibration than the King Cobra. And Mm -hmm. so every shot I was taking, it was still... The interesting part is it's kind of a shock to yourself because you don't you're expecting it but you're not getting it exactly and i end up having to constantly go back to my bow and reshoot it just to compare because i realized that this is different because i'm expecting more shock and more sound and people around us were watching and they weren't hearing the sounds and um so that was very surprising
1: it was and like i said i've told people you know i've done several shows i've done um, events for, you know, different companies that I've staffed for. And, you know, I've talked a lot about archery. It's just a passion of mine. And I've told people over the years before I got got into APA, um, I've told people, look, if you shoot a fast bow, you're going to have a little bit more shock and shock and you're going to have a little bit more noise. It's just give and take. If you want a smoother, quieter bow, you got to relinquish from speed. That's just what the industry has pounded into people's heads. Okay. You expect it, you shoot it, and then when it's not there, you're like, okay, what? what is different about this bow? Because I've shot the speed bows. I've been in the industry. I've been all around the latest products and there is nothing on the market that compares to this. They don't advertise like, say, Matthews does or like, say, PSC or some of the different ones. They don't advertise like that. That's the reason I think the more people are not familiar with them. One of my driven passions is to let the people know, um, what is available to them that you you don't have to relinquish, you know, sound or vibration. You can still shoot a bow that is, you know, IBO'd at three seventy with a five inch brace height. And you don't have to have flawless form because even though I've been shooting since ninety six, I don't have flawless form. I cannot shoot at the same spot with this five inch brace height bow. I'm busting arrows. I'm busting knocks with this bow, even without a flawless form. I'm not a professional archer. I do shoot three D tournaments. I do shoot you know, Vegas style spot tournaments, but I'm not a professional archer. Don't claim to be.
0: But you know how to knock down some animals. So that's probably, you know, for our listeners that are true hunters, uh, that's the main point there. If you can get an animal down, you get them down good. That's all that matters.
1: It is. It is. You know, if you can hit the kill zone in an animal, it's not, it's not about hitting a dime at 50 yards because you don't have to be that good. And with APA's industry and their, what they have to offer from a child all the way to a grown adult, they've got it all covered. They even make a single cam bow. Um, They make a bow that is uh, um, a lighter bow. If people want, you know, now some of the companies are making carbon bows. Uh, APA don't make a carbon bow, but they make one that they've downsized the riser to where they don't have the handle in it or the tool center. So they've made it lighter, excuse me, they made it lighter in that if somebody wants a lighter bow, They've got just every base covered in all of their products. Uh, if you want a tournament bow that's a little longer, they've got a 39, they've got a 36. Meet the needs of the public, of anybody from a child all the way up. It's, it's there. And that's just, that's just a bare fact.
0: Now, lo- thinking about the, the tool kit that they have attached to the bows, every bow they have has the tool kit. Is that correct?
1: Except for the, <clears throat> the one I mentioned that is the lighter bow um they made it that way so it would appeal to somebody that would want a bow that's not quite so heavy and it's viper air Uh, it doesn't have the tool center in in it because it 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 lightens the the bow also the copperhead lti which is sold by cabelas uh, it doesn't have it uh and the rattler that is a kid's bow it doesn't have it but every other bow has the handle and the tool
0: center looking at the tool kit itself when i first saw it on the web it was one it's an it's very interesting but i initially thought it was kind of a gimmick but then when i was reading the purpose of everything that they had on there about the knot wrench and then as well as the 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 broadhead one i was looking at my hands Mm -hmm. and every single year i've been bow hunting before and seems like sometimes after when i'm taking my broadheads off and putting on fill points I slice up my fingers. In fact, last year, I sliced up my middle finger and my thumb almost to the point where I was at, to the bone, where I should have technically went and got stitches, but I didn't. So I have some really nasty scars, but every year, I'm always slicing my hands, trying to knock them off. And once I started looking at that and realizing what was built on the bow, I got it. It made sense to me. Right. And uh, that kind of just changed my perspective of what I was thinking to what the purpose of that is for. Right. Um, and there's something you told me about it, which was impressive, is the idea that you don't need technically a bow press um, for uh, changing like the bowstring itself at uh, the D-loops. Why exactly is that?
1: They have a pin. And it's called the CamLock system. They have a pin and it's, that's screwed onto the side of the bow. And you loosen it up, and the pin comes out. Um, you take the pin out. And drilled into the top cam and the bottom cam is holes. And you can do it by yourself or you can have somebody help you. They show on their website a person's standing on the string. And if somebody doesn't want to do that to possibly damage the string or whatever, you can have somebody grab the string and then you grab the handle or vice versa and pull the string back eight or ten inches and drop the, the pin into one of those holes. And what it does, it releases tension and pressure from the cams and it puts that Camlock lock system through one of those holes and it presses against the limbs and then the string is it goes limp and then you can you can change the string you can put a new uh peep side in it whatever you need to do change the whole string out itself if you need to it's it's in case of emergencies if you want and, and it doesn't even have to be an emergency it can be if you know if i order a new string i don't have a bow press uh it becomes my bow press and i can put the pin in by myself And I can release the pressure off the string, change the string, and then by myself, um, put my foot on the string, lift it up, take the pin out, and the string goes back, and you've got a new string. And and if you only use it one time in a lifetime, it's worth it.
0: Well, I kind of wanted to put an advantage of why that's so important, because right now I live in Georgia, and... I have a few archery shops around me that I can take my bow into a bow shop. Mm -hmm. But there are plenty of people around the United States and some other areas, especially in Canada, that maybe there might not be a bow shop within 30, 40, 50 miles. You might have to drive an hour and a half, two hours or longer. And for just the simplest twist in your string, just so you can reset the peep sight or those things like that, you you look at the price and the value of just being able to quickly drop the the limbs so you can actually make those adjustments mm-hmm. without having to spend hours on the road or having to ship it away depending on where you live. Yep. That's an advantage that really well, is if someone sure. thinks about it.
1: Because you know most most of your average what I call average Joe hunters they don't need a press they're not going to work on their bows okay but if they have something like what APA offers then it's going to save them in the long run if they want to change their own string because it's not that difficult because when you order a string you know, anybody you want to order strings from get them in the mail most of them clip them in the position they're supposed to be put on the, on the cams okay so they're already in the right twist that you need keep them in that uh same position when you put them on your on your cams it's not that difficult people can save a ton of money like you said if their peep is not rotating correctly well then they got to get in the car even if it's Fifteen miles or fifteen minutes away—it's that much time and that much effort, and then you got to pay the guy to do it. He, d- he may not charge much, but it's still something that you got to do. Whereas you could do it in your own living room, you can do it in your shop, in the backyard, whatever. And it just takes just a few minutes to do. Whether it's a twist or whether it's a new string, the average Joe can do it, and it—in the long run, it will save them a, in my views, a ton of money and a ton of time.
0: Or even if you think about a, a hunting trip because let's say you're oh, sure. on a a paid hunting trip or you're doing an expedition, you're out in Alaska or up in Canada, and you're you know miles away, you had to get flown in by a float plane or so yep. you don't have a chance to get back around nope. I mean that's you're unless you had a, a backup or a gun, your hunt's done exactly. and so and most
1: <laughs> most people they you know a lot of guys do um, carry a a pocket press. there's a press that's called they call it a pocket press called the Bowmaster that is i have one it's in my toolbox but i don't use it now i don't have to use it and it's quite aggravating to be honest with you to use that you have to turn and turn and turn and turn and keep turning it try to get your limbs deflexed enough to where you can get pressure off of the string to where you can change it or rotate it whatever but if you're in the in the field say you're on an expedition like you said a float plane flies you in and you're you know, you're hours and hundreds of miles from civilization and you just accidentally, you know, cut your bowstring or whatever. Freak accidents happen all the time. And a lot of guys do take back up uh, bowstrings with them. Um, whereas with this setup, you don't, need, you don't need a press and you don't need to worry about your hunt being over. Pull your extra string out of your pack. Put the cam lock in the cam. You know, 15 minutes, you're done. You got a brand new string. Put the loop uh, on it. Um, put your peep in it. Release the pressure, side it in, boom, you're done, ready to go. It just it just makes so much sense, and it and it will save on hunts and people that are you know away from civilization or away from an archery shop. It just makes perfect sense.
0: You know, going back into the history of the APA archery, how long have they been around? Ten years. Ten years. And who was the one that uh, came up with it?
1: And the guy's uh, first name is Nibel. He's actually originated. His parents originated from Lebanon. And he started in the industry uh, by making a fall-away rest. That's how he got into the industry. Uh, And and they still use that AeroRest to this day, which is a beautiful design. It's a wonderful product. But that's how he got into the industry. And then from there, he started into bow design. And he has designed a bow that, like uh, the word he used is radical. It is a radical design. You will not find anything on the market. That touches the radical design that that he has put into it and then to bring he had the king cobra on the market several years ago he took it off and redesigned some things and then brought it back this year uh to rival another company claiming they have the fastest bow in the world um he actually they actually tried to have a competition with this company at the ata show to see who had the fastest bow and the other company relinquished they wouldn't do it so in my opinion Because the other company wouldn't go head to head, he has the fastest bow in the world. That's my personal opinion. With the design that he has, there is nobody that can touch it. Um, You have to have so many other things. Like you said, the scars that you have on your hand, you know, that saves you completely. Because if you shoot a a fixed blade broadhead, to have good arrow flight out of your arrow, your veins must line up with your blades. That's just common archery knowledge. So in order to turn it, okay, if you don't have a wrench with you, a lot of people are going to do what you did and try to turn it with your hands, and you're going to end up with scars, okay? So the camlock system for the press, the um, broadhead wrench, I've never cut my hands with a broadhead because I don't shoot fixed blade. I shoot expandables, but the, the knot wrench that's in there, that right there is a teeth saver for me because I've turned many a knot with my teeth. In a in a three stand or on a 3D course, trying to get it lined up to where my cock vein was was right on my arrow rest. So I'd stick it in my mouth, and I'd turn it. And now with this, I just stick it on the knock wrench and turn it the way it needs, and it saves my teeth. You can save your fingers. I save my teeth. It's you know it's perfect.
0: I agree. Thinking about. The different designs, and I, I was looking at all the different ones they have. They're using the style. They're they're naming all their bows in a, a form of a snake. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Their 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 number one seller is the Mamba M34. That is their number one seller. Um, it matches so beautifully with most what most archers want, and it's the they they abbreviate it and they call it the M34, which the M stands for Mamba. They have an M6, which is the Mamba Six M6 the Mamba M seven and then the Mamba M thirty four. Thirty-four is just uh what it stands for is the axle to axle is thirty-four inches. The M six, the six stands for it's a six inch brace height. On the M seven, the seven stands for a seven inch brace height. They have a Viper uh nano, which is actually the one you shot when you was with me. I had that demo. Uh it's a it's a single Cambo. They have the Mamba Air, uh which is one of the ones that doesn't have the um, handle in it and then they have a uh which is another one that you shot with me the x36 the mamba x36 they have several that is named the mamba and then several that's named the viper and then they have two that are the copperheads and then the kid's bow is named the rattler
0: yeah when you first showed me the the viper nano i actually thought it was going to be a kid's bow but then after you explain it to me that it's just this right. the name of it, but believe me, it's definitely not a kid's bow. And when I shot it, it felt it was really nice shooting. It felt like I had a strong back wall. And that was the unique part about that one versus the, the King Cobra. When I went to full draw on the King Cobra, I felt like, and the best way I can explain it is if you are sitting in a car with a Basically a high idle. It's like it wants to go. Right. You're literally having to pull back at full draw, keeping your shoulders nothing correct, because the moment you let go, that's gone. I mean, it is literally gone. Yes. And yes. You it made does a go- not have
1: a deep valley. There you go. To make a good shot, whether it be a target or whether it be an animal, to steady your bow, you have to pull back hard. That steadies your entire bow setup. Um, You pull a hard back wall because this particular bow if you relax It's going to jerk your shoulder out of joint. It's ready to go. It just it's not a high what they call a high let off to where you can just pull it back and then relax and hold it with your pinky No, it's it's a speed bow and it's wanting to go Um, You have to pull back. I like that personally. I do not like a deep valley to where you have to kind of almost push the string back to let it let it down this this bow is not built that way it is built for speed which I like, and it makes the person pull back tension, which is what you're supposed to do anyway to make a solid shot. And it steadies your pin on your target to whereas you're relaxed, then that arm is relaxed, and then your bow arm is gonna be relaxed, then everything starts shaking. Whereas if you pull a, a back wall, a real hard back wall, which all your professional archers do, when they pull back tension, they are pulling, you, you don't see them doing it, but, but because they're using their back muscles um, between their shoulder blades, they're actually trying to get their shoulder blades to touch. And they're. that's why they call it back tension. They're using their back, they're not using their arm. Uh, a lot of people can't use a back tension release, but most of your professional archers do. And the whole time, they're pulling, 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 and then it goes off. And they want it to be that way because it steadies your pin as much as possible on your target.
0: Good, uh, really good knowledge there. Thinking about the... The average Joe, the average person is coming in, and, and most of us, we have maybe about six to eight weeks before our archery season starts, so it is getting later into before season. Right. But if someone is looking to purchase, what would be a an average bow that someone could come in and get a very good price, a very good bow that uh, would suit them right off the bat?
1: Um, I, I I personally would recommend, as I said, their number one seller is the M34 um, there was a guy that, that goes to my church that just ordered one and I set it up for him. And it's just a, a, a smooth classic all around, you know, and IBOs at just under 350, right at 346. It's got, um, a six and five, eight cents brace height, which is, you know, right, right in between six and seven. So it's good for a, a starter. If somebody's just coming into it, I would recommend it to anybody. And it's in, as far as price, the only thing that, that is going to be a little bit different. Is going to be shipping from Canada. As far as the price, they're right. You know, uh, right in the price range of every other bow manufacturer. You can get this bow for just a little over. Uh, you know, nine fifty, which most of your you know high end bows they're going to be uh, between eight fifty and a thousand. So if somebody was to ask me, and I've already done it with the guy at the church, he asked me, he said, "Look, what would you recommend?" Because he's only been shooting a bow about a year. Okay, so I didn't want him to. You know, to start off with the five-inch brace height, I would I would rather a guy have a little bit more background to jump into the five-inch brace height bow uh, with that, you know, back wall like we was talking about. I don't want to, you know, throw somebody uh, that kind of a bow um, right off the bat. So my personal recommendation would be the M34. It is just a classic bow for anybody that's out there that's looking to get into archery. It would meet every need, whether it be tournament, or whether it be hunting, it would work both both ends of the spectrum. Oh, great!
0: I was actually going to ask you, what would be a pretty good bow for if they wanted to use it for tournament, and you just answered it. That's great. Yep.
1: At 34 inches axle to axle, it is it is a, a good length. You know, because a lot of companies for your hunting bows are going down, and you know, a lot of them even going under 30 inches, which I don't recommend that for for tournaments. So this bow here, being 34 inches axle to axle, is perfect. You can even use it for a ground blind you know, or tree stand or for tournaments. Because um, I've actually shot tournaments with bows that are shorter axle to axle. You actually get more accuracy with a bow that's longer. If you study your professional archers, they do, on a normal, shoot a longer axle to axle bow. So this one would work for either.
0: Now, you're talking about purchasing the bow. Is everything purchased directly online, or can are there shops around the United States that do currently offer them
1: there there are the one in mississippi i know for a fact because i know the guy personally uh, but he has a shop his name is greg brown and he has a shop there in mississippi or you can do it through the um you can call them direct uh there in saskatchewan talk to the secretary very nice lady and make the purchase online she take your credit card and do the purchase online or they have a program set up that if you want to just shoot the bow for 10 days they will ship you the bow and you pay the shipping, and they will ship you the bow for 10 days. You can get it set up, and you can shoot it. Ten, 10 days is plenty long enough for somebody to figure out whether they like it or not. And if you don't want to buy it, ship it back. I mean, it's a perfect program if you don't have a dealer to where you can order from. They actually have this program set up. You keep it for 10 days, and then if you, you, you don't want to buy it, ship it back.
0: Wow. I mean, that right there shows that they've got a lot of confidence that if someone got their hands on the bow willing to ship it out a full bow yeah. you're just paying for the shipping cost that if you shoot it most likely you're going to probably buy it
1: yeah exactly
0: that's pretty well they cool. have
1: that much confidence in their product i yeah. mean they know and i do too i wouldn't be scared to ship my personal boat to somebody and say shoot the thing i got that much confidence because when you shoot it you're going to be stunned just like i was and you're going to say i got to have one it sells itself and apa knows that they they build a reputation for themselves and even though they're not as well known down here, the people that do know about them are sold on them, and so, so that's how much confidence they have in their product.
0: You're thinking about it because they are not well known in the South, and and when we say the South, we're talking about the actual United States, because it's really this is a Canadian brand. Right. But uh, if you're going to a archery event or you're hunting with your hunting buddies you know, everybody's usually got the same and whatever bow they mostly have, when you come in to open up and you're pulling out a bow and it's something that they've never seen before, yep. just thinking of that, that right there kind of gives you a lot of clout. Like, wait a minute, what is yep. this? I mean, yep. you're making people's eyes turn and figure yep. out what in the world are you shooting?
1: And then everybody's going to circle around you and you're going to become the center of attention because they've never seen nothing like it. It is a, a head turner, nor other word, nor you know, it's just like a, uh, you know, a, a vehicle going down the road that is different. People going to turn their heads. You know, rubberneckers, they're going to turn their heads because it's something different. Same thing with this. It's different in a good way because it is so functional and everything is wor- works as uh, advertised and it's it, it combines speed with smoothness and quiet. It just sells itself. And I'm looking forward to these hunts more than I ever have because I have something that I know probably 95% chance that nobody in camp is going to have an apa bow they're just not out there you know in these areas so i'm looking forward to being able to introduce people to it whether they buy it or not that's their business but i get a chance to introduce them to a new product
0: it kind of gives you the idea of the long or the lone wolf exactly (laughs) the black sheep if you really think about it exactly yeah knowing that's Right, There's not many places, there are a few places in the United States, and but you are currently going to be one of the pl- first places in Georgia that are going to offer this boat, is that right?
1: The only place.
0: The only place. When will the that be? The only place.
1: Um, within two weeks.
0: Two weeks, wow, that's well, really quick. So anybody that's listening to this, basically by the time they hear this, if you are in Georgia, where exactly are you going to be located?
1: I'm going to be in Covington, uh, off the square about half a mile off of the square of downtown Covington, Georgia.
0: Okay. So, yeah, if you happen to live in Georgia and you are nearby and you want to check out these bows, I mean, you have a, a first-hand person that knows how to use them, has been around with them for a while and uh you should definitely come check them out.
1: Yep, but we've already got the building secured. Um everything is in order. I've already got, you know, things uh, ready to be moved into the building. So, we're we're looking at 2 weeks and, and I'll I'll have it open.
0: Well, Knowing that people are looking for bows last minute, I mean, when I first bought my bow, I was actually, I think, already in archery season. I was closer to gun season, so I came in at late. So there are people out there like that, and even people that have bows and they're thinking about changing it up. Right. This is a really good bow to look at. And oh, yeah. if they wanted something different, they want to be the the black sheep or the lone wolf. Um, mm-hmm. the center of the conversation, I mean, definitely give them a shot, look at what they have. Uh, is there a way someone could reach out to you if they have direct questions, either by email or Facebook or something that they can, uh, at least get more information on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, my name is my Facebook, Daniel Gissendanner, G I S S E N D A N E R is my last name. Um, my personal email is D is in Daniel M is in Mark g-i-s-s at bellsouth.net they're welcome to contact me at any time any questions they may have uh, whether it be Facebook or email and I'll do my best to answer them if I can't answer it, I'll find somebody that can
0: well I'll definitely add those uh, locations and the links on our show notes but Daniel, I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day and explaining what these bows are and allowing our listeners to kind of get a, a bigger insight of something that's out there that they've never known about
1: Absolutely awesome. Thank you. Then my pleasure. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Well, as you heard the bows that they come up with are really radical. It's kind of neat that they do come up with the design that's wrapped around snakes so it kind of gives you that edgy touch that really cool look to it my personal opinion is i like aesthetics when it comes to a bow it's not just the functionality i also like the way it look good um, some people don't care to me i do and like i said i was able to try these bows out personally i was i drove out i met with him for a couple of hours and we just start shooting we i got to see what these things could really do how they performed i was blown away how quiet these bows are yet even though they were high speed bows so that was something unique of course they might not be made in the usa and i know a lot of people out there are all about gung-ho for being usa built and i get that if you can buy a bow that's made in the united states go for it but if you want to be a black sheep and you want to try a bow that's high speed and it's unique no one else is going to have it well guys this was the very first bow manufacturer that we've had on the show i think it was a really good one because it gave some cool insights on something unique we have some more bow manufacturers coming up in the next few podcasts. The next one's actually going to be made from Hoyt, and that's going to be pretty exciting because I've always loved the idea of owning a Hoyt. I didn't buy one when I first started. There's a reason for that, but every time I've ever come back to the idea of purchasing a new one, Hoyt's always been on my mind. And we brought on a guy. He's going to give you some really cool insight that might be the bow that you might be choosing. So this is the next step. The next one after that is probably going to be Elite. We're hopefully going to go for Bear, and then we're going to get PSE, and basically the idea is to give you some insight on different manufacturers so you can make an educated choice when it comes to purchasing your next or your new bow. I hope you join us on our next episode. It should be coming out in the next few days. We're going to start trying to pump these out a lot more sooner before hunting season starts. And guys, the last thing I wanted to bring up is that if you have a moment, if you could go to iTunes, which the way you get to it is mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes. It'll take you right to the page. I'd really appreciate it if you can give us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing on the show. Give us some ideas of what you want to see, and we'll make sure (laughs) you want to see. We're not into the video yet, but we're trying. If you give us an idea of what you want to hear, we'll start looking for those answers and get them on the show so you can get the information you're looking for. We do appreciate the time and effort that you've put in listening to our show. If you could... Share with your friends. Go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash mybowrush. We have a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all these different accounts. Hopefully, you'll take the time, follow us, help us build our exposure, let other people know about us because as more people see us, the bigger we grow, the more exposure we have, the more knowledge we can put out. It's just a big circle of life. So we do appreciate it. And I'll finish up with this. Something that we spoke about when we first started the, the podcast We wanna have a really cool ending, some slogan, something that would be pop. And we just haven't found anything that's been worth value. To be honest, it it sucks. We've been using, go get a bow rush. It's been fine, it's done its job, but we want something better. And so like we've asked in the past, if you have a chance, give us a call, send us a message, let us know a really cool slogan that we can say at the end. If we like it, we're gonna use it. So I hope to hear from you soon. Let us know about that guys, I'm going to end it with this. Go get a boat rush. See what I mean? That's it. Catch you on the next episode. Bye.